0: Hello and welcome to the newest episode of Everyday Martial Artist. I'm your host, Brian Dusett, and as we do every week, we have a brand new guest to talk to about uh, their martial arts and their life in the martial arts and and other stuff they're involved in. This week's episode, kind of reading his bio on his website, uh, this gentleman is an author, a speaker, and a trainer, and also a martial artist. He works with Fortune 500 companies, uh, and and he's uh, written, I think, three books, if I read it correctly, and we'll definitely talk about those too. But uh, please welcome to the show today, Jonathan Pritchard. How are you doing today, sir?
1: Hey, hey, man! Super happy to be here. Good, and
0: you're you're in uh, Chicago right now.
1: Yep. Uh, Used to be. Back in the day, I would say I live on the road and I get my mail in Chicago. But (laughs) for the past year, I've actually lived at my address. It's a very strange experience.
0: I suppose. Yeah. The last year has been different. So it's crazy. But so as I do with all my guests, we're going to kind of go back to the beginning. I'd like to know kind of where martial arts started for you. Maybe not necessarily where you started. I mean, when did you first have your interest in martial arts? And then, of course, when did you first get involved in martial arts?
1: Hmm. Really, really nerdy, which is G.I. Joe's and my favorite characters, (laughs) Snake Eyes and Storm Shadow Man, like the 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 issues where they were training and there was a whole silent issue where nobody said anything. It's just really cool storytelling. So those were the just the coolest characters. And I grew up drawing G.I. Joe's. So that, that was kind of the seed that grew into my art world. That's what I went to college for is painting. Oh. Um, I've transitioned that into kind of graphic design and branding companies that I've started. So, so that all gets traced back there too. So the love affair of ninjas was always there, just as silly as, as it can get. And then in... Junior high or high school, my best friend, he and I were exactly the same height, the same weight, same build, everything. Difference was he was taking karate. I wasn't. And one day we're in the the yard and he just goes, hey, punch me. It's like, (laughs) all right. Like he didn't, I didn't have to ask why there was no (laughs) lead up. I was just like, if you're going to be dumb enough to ask me to punch you, I'm going to, I'm going to do it. So I just haul off and punch him, then that's what I planned on doing. And the sky and the ground do this weird tumbly thing. And when I kind of get my wits back, I'm on my back staring up at the sky, going, what in the world was that about? <laughs> and that was just really cool. And, and that was my response was, oh, I gotta learn how to do that. That's a lot of fun instead of oh you jerk (laughs) you tricked me (laughs) so it that was kind of the start of me bugging my parents who grew up poor man like i i lived in a in a trailer in north carolina in the mountains like in a literal dirt road trailer development so there wasn't a lot of money for lessons but somehow my my parents got it together for at least a couple months for me to to take emperor's long fist kung fu and and that was kind of the beginning of it.
0: And so what was it about those first few classes that that you enjoyed that made you want to stick with it?
1: Part of it was how crazy the instructor was.
0: <laughs> okay.
1: And and that has, seems to be a theme throughout <laughs> throughout all all martial arts times, which is somebody who's going to devote their life to doing this kind of thing. There's a little, a little off upstairs and it's awesome. Like to me, that's a main selling point. That is not a problem. So uh, it's just, it was just this cool thing to do. Like that, that was as simple as it was. Like I didn't have bullies that I had to train like Rocky to, to learn how to fend for myself. It's just, ah, it's really fun getting to learn how to move your body through space and do it in a a safe environment where you get to push your limits with people who you know love you enough to try to punch you in the face. Right. (laughs) To impart those lessons. Nothing else does that. So it, it was just... just seemed like the best thing for me to be doing.
0: Okay. And how long did you stay with that specific school?
1: Not, not that long. That was kind of a a short lived thing. Uh, So maybe six months or so. Okay. And then it's, it's quite a while goes by until I'm in, I'm in college and actually after college really is when I picked it back up. Yeah. Cause it was kind of one of those. Oh, okay. That was fun. Mm -hmm. But I've got other things to do kind of my my main my main time sink is being a performer Mm -hmm. and the flavor performer that I am is a type of magician called a mentalist. So that's one of those kinds of things where it's just practice all day long. Every day you're you're doing sleight of hand stuff, you're reading books, you're trying to book gigs, the whole nine yards. So that kind of ate up a lot of time. And also, I was really bad at booking gigs, so I was even more poor. So (laughs) it was just kind of one of those things. And I was at a science conference helping run the thing with my mentor, James Randy, who was organizing the whole thing. And then there was a a dude that walked up, and Randy goes, oh, I want to introduce you two together because I think you would get along. And turns out that guy new Wing Chun, and it was super fun, and we start hanging out, and and that's how I got back into it.
0: Nice, and, and so then did you, how, how soon after that meeting did you start training again, and and was that? I,
1: I yeah. think it was about three minutes. <laughs> oh, wow, okay. <laughs> it was just, uh, we, we were at a restaurant, that kind of thing, but we started talking, and, and it was just immediately one of those, yeah, okay, we get each other kind of deals.
0: So it's so obviously what what was it about that? I mean, once you got back into it, what was it about that you missed? I mean obviously you it, it took pretty quick when you jump back into it. So what, you know, what what were some of the things you missed that you you know, found right away?
1: Part of it was how awful I had let my life get because okay. before that I had gotten married, got fat, got divorced, got fatter, I was living on my own, my my car got repossessed twice. So not making the best decisions, right? Like yep. not, not living my best life. And just the real, the real cherry on top was one of those times that my car got repossessed was my girlfriend's birthday. I, oh, heard, wow. I heard the car alarm go off earlier, but I had never heard it before. So I didn't know it was my car crying for help as the repo men were, were hooking it up. So I heard the commotion and I was like, boy, something sucks out there. And then a couple hours later, Hey, let's, let's go out and Hey, where's my car. So that's kind of what I was in the middle of. And then find the dude who I start learning Wing Chun from. And it was having that personal accountability of, look, I don't care what's going on in your life. You can at least run through your form first thing in the morning. So how about that's your goal for excellence today is did you do your form that you're learning? Okay, I can do that. So it was just getting that structure back. Because being a performer being out on my own, there was zero, zero accountability. And I I just let every all my standards go all my what boundaries Mm -hmm. right so it was rediscovering that and going oh okay this is a laboratory where i can hold myself accountable to at least this standard and then that became the foundation that allowed me to make better and better choices to start kind of clawing my life back in order
0: Okay. And so was this training mostly one-on-one with this person or were you actually going to a school?
1: Weirdly, it was online. Really? Yeah. He was a a dude who was just real early to the online game. And he, he was based in Hawaii at the time and I was in Texas. So we would do video calls Now I know I've been in this long enough to know that it is not ideal, right? Like I get it. I'm, I'm not one of those weirdos. That's going to fight you over. It's as good as anything. It's still better than nothing. True. Right? Like if you're, if all you have are books or YouTube to follow along with having somebody over video who can say, Hey, your elbows out of alignment move it more towards your center line, and you've got that real-time feedback, yes, I totally get it that you're missing out on the proprioceptive feedback of chi sao and that kind of thing, I get that. Mm -hmm. But better is better than nothing. Right. So learning the forms, it was kind of a, a several stage process, which is the approach was, all right, look, Wing Chun, it's six forms, Think of it like choreography. If teenage girls can learn dance moves from Britney Spears, you can learn this. So get to it. So the yes. idea is, all right, first you just learn the choreography. Are you doing the right move in the right sequence? Did you skip a posture or something? Okay, you didn't do it right. So go back to the beginning, start it over. So the the whole thing was, all right, here's the video for you to follow along and then record yourself doing the form, post it, we'll review it, and all we're caring about is did you do the right postures in the right sequence? If you do, then that's kind of, uh, I'm using this very tongue in cheek, so don't come after me. That's your belt (laughs) test, right? Is do you know this well enough for you to now learn the the next form? So then you've moved through the whole system you learn the forms, and then the second time through, you're now worried about, okay, placement, does it look right? Your elbow, you're doing your tan sao kind of goofy, right? We know it's a tan sao, but it's nowhere near good. So now let's start refining the postures. So you can kind of progress at your own pace. And since I had a lot of free time on my hands, I it just kind of blew through it in about nine months. Nice because that's what I've spent my time doing, not getting a job, but learning Kung Fu. So, (laughs) so that's why I I learned it super fast. And then about every six months we'd get together, throw down and, and that would be a lot of fun.
0: Okay. So you actually did get to in person training too, just not as often as you'd like.
1: Right. Exactly. So not ideal. Like ideal would be live like a monk, go live on the top of the mountain with your guru (laughs) make rice for them and then spend all day fighting like okay yeah sure right but what what can you do with what you got well it's kind of a lot
0: well what's funny is though i mean if i would have started these interviews about a year ago i guarantee everyone i talked to would have been 100 percent against video training yeah but now because of COVID, i mean I, guys who were just die hard against it and spoke out they're like i had to and yeah and I, I proved it worked <laughs> so it's
1: right like a exactly. lot more people would agree it's...
0: with you now so <laughs>
1: Exactly. Like, oh, it, it just took a pandemic for you to shut your mouth. <laughs> yeah.
0: Cuz I mean, there's been people doing video training for decades, and mm-hmm. a lot of times they are always looked down upon. So then how long did you and this gentleman train together?
1: Uh, it was about 5-6 years. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. It, it was it was a lot of fun. There was it's kind of a goofy dismount, and that that part is in the family. But yeah, we we're uh, no longer training actively.
0: Okay. And do you, is there another, did you replace that with another instructor or another school? Not
1: really. Okay. Uh, like a big, a big part of my approach was the, to teach is to learn twice. And, and that was kind of part of the, the approach is listen. Yeah. Never misrepresent who it is and what you're about. Never lie about your your skills or anything like that, because you misrepresent yourself, your car's is going to get pulled. Mm-hmm. So always be honest with yourself and others, what your intention is and, and that kind of thing. So if you're not some guru, don't, don't claim to be one. <laughs> don't try to teach people like you're one. And having said that sharing what it is that, you know, helps you learn it a second time in a new dimension that you don't necessarily have without that sharing spirit to it. 100%, yes, I agree. <laughs> so I, I created a meetup group in Chicago and I never claimed like, come to the this school of awesome sauce, recognized seventh generation. Like none of that was ever a thing. It was more of a, hey, I love doing this thing. I wanna share it with the world as much as I can. So come hang out. If you're better than me, I'll learn from you. I'm better than you, you'll learn from me. Either way, it'll be a good time. Nice. So, so that was it, right? And and then that's been going on for, for several years. And it was, first it was by the lake uh, over the, the summer. And then when it got too cold or rainy, we just do it at the apartment. And that was a super weird sell. new people like yeah you want to learn kung fu come to my my apartment like i don't that sounds super janky and I'm like yeah you're you're right but we we had women there we had dudes there just it was a really cool eclectic group of people who would would come out and then we we found a gym and then that's where we were until the the happening happened (laughs) of 2020 and it was goofy to me the number of people who are in this world to be like in the martial arts world for self-defense, who then like are saying, oh, all of this danger is made up. So let's just keep doing in-person stuff. I was like, that's a a very cavalier attitude. (laughs) Yep. Like, I, I think there's a lot of fear, uncertainty, and doubt that is stoked through Those narratives to help sell the fear, that doesn't mean the thing's not real. (laughs) Right. So, so I wasn't as gung ho about ignoring any potential downsides. So I just was like, listen, folks, we're going to do online stuff every Sunday, same time. So, this is my roots. I know how to do this. We'll still be able to gather, but the in person dynamic is less than attractive to me. So, Thank you, but no, thank you, and then kind of shut it down.
0: So then, on on average, when, once you opened, how long did it take you to start attracting people? You, what what do you do to kind of get the word out and stuff?
1: Weirdly, that was never part of my my goal. Okay. So I have very very little useful insight on that front. Kind of part of my goal was to make sure I didn't have a lot of people.
0: Oh, okay. <laughs>
1: it's it's kind of one of those things of i i do have a lot of irons in the one fire that i have which is being curious about being alive right and the it's kind of like the woodworking world if you've got a lot of tools those tools now require a lot of maintenance and upkeep and Before you know it, you're spending more time sharpening your chisels and making sure everything is just so and you're tidying up and you spent zero time actually making something. So every tool comes with the responsibility of maintaining it. If I built a big school or a huge community, it's on me to maintain it. And I never wanted it to grow large enough for the people who were willing to show up to feel like I was giving them short shrift. Okay, that makes sense. So yeah, so it was more of, okay, who are the few people who I jive with really well, who I can actually provide value to, and I'm not gonna be too worried about being approachable or, or any kind of marketable angle. It's more of if you think this is cool in the weird way I'm doing it, awesome. We're gonna have a great time together. But I never spent any energy proactively trying to present it as, hey everybody, this is what you should do. Right? Because also an an extra dimension to that is yeah, I didn't want I didn't want people who were looking for a martial arts school to be confused about what it is that I was putting out there. OK, so that that was part of kind of the not the plan, but mm-hmm. the intentional lack of a plan for strategic growth.
0: So have you ever uh, had any interest in looking at other styles and trying to you know, broaden the horizons of, of your martial arts skills and stuff? or Are you pretty much happy and content with just studying Wing Chun?
1: I am super happy studying Wing Chun. OK, mainly because it does what I need it to do. Mm -hmm. And I'm also not one of those Wing Chun dudes who's like, there's nothing valuable in any other system. And it's just like, you just look like a real goofball there, guy. (laughs) So for me, the Wooden Dummy is a phenomenal training partner. It's an incredible tool to learn a lot of what you would be looking for in a lot of other situations. And the principles that the wooden dummy is teaching you is also super applicable on the ground. It's just that your orientation to gravity is different. Okay. The angles are still very, very similar. So when, when you're watching grappling and, mm-hmm. and doing kind of groundwork, there's a lot of vocabulary around it of this is the wizard, this is the, this and that, and they have their own kind of names and labels, the Wing Chun postures are a very dense ability to communicate a lot of information very quickly. So if you're going, hey, a Darce is a bonsao to tonsao with a bonsao other hand, you can communicate a lot of that stuff very quickly. Nice. A lot of the Wing Chun world is missing out on that. Okay, their their insistence of this is a stand up only thing, and uh, it's it's ignoring a, a huge dimension to to the experience. But if they were able to realize, oh, okay, the wooden dummy form is basically a grappling form done standing up, but you're learning shrimping. It's just called a pivot. Oh, okay, they would be able to unlock a lot of what's there already without thinking, oh, I gotta go somewhere else to fill in. It's more of a, your body already knows it, just work on unfolding what it is you've already been putting into your body. If that's going to train at another school, great. For me personally, one of the big reasons is it's tough for me to trust other people that much. Okay. I'm a performer, I'm a magician. Like I can literally do things with playing cards at a world-class level (laughs) and people having their pinkies taped up because, oh yeah, you know, it it just got caught on a gi and and snapped and it's all good. Like, (laughs) thank you, but no thank you. I I want to train to develop myself, not feel better in context to my skills compared to somebody else. So I just, I, for several reasons, just don't have that same kind of itch to go learn from other schools.
0: That's a great answer, actually. So I'm kind of curious. Now I, I mentioned at the beginning you you've written a few different books, and I'm, I'm you know you wrote uh, two of them. Uh, Think like a mind reader and learn like a mind reader it sound very interesting, and I'm actually thinking of ordering them because they're kind of cool. But the one I'm really curious and want to chat about is Wing Chun Life Physics. Just talk a little bit about that book and how it came about.
1: It came about because I was following my now fiance around the house talking nonstop, and I had dry erase markers in the bathroom so I could write on the wall so I wouldn't forget an idea and I could write on the mirrors so I wouldn't forget something. And it was just all this stuff was in my head and it had to get out. So I I write books to exercise my demons. Okay. <laughs> it's basically how I think about it nice. because I become possessed by these ideas and concepts and relationships that I don't see expressed in the same way anywhere else. And then it just fills up so much of my space, my my mental space, my life attention, just the whole nine yards. And then I go, okay, I have to put this in a book so that the ideas will feel heard and live in a place that's not me. So okay. that's why I have to write the book.
0: Nice. <laughs> Yeah. So what what can people expect if they you know what you know if they order that book what are they you know just a, a brief overview of kind of what the book covers and what it's about and what they'll enjoy about it.
1: If you go looking for, here's how the form goes. Please don't buy it. There's almost there's no technique in in it at all. Okay. Like it is not a here's how to do this here's how to do that. That's not it in any way shape or form. For me, it was. Building a case for Wing Chun like it's a mathematical proof. Okay. The, the general idea for me is there are very few universal principles. They're universal because no matter where you go, they're going to apply mass, momentum, gravity, those kinds of fundamental boundaries of our reality. The human pattern is pretty much the same there's local variations, your forearm might be longer, you might be taller, I might be heavier, lighter, I don't know. But we've got bilateral symmetry, our elbow is where the elbow goes, the shoulders where the shoulder goes for millions of millions of billions of people. Okay, given that you've got universal principles and a human pattern, there are better and worse strategies for aligning the human pattern to those universal forces. And throughout all human history, there've been people who are just good at doing that. And then they live through the village wars long enough to where there's no glory in killing that guy. He's an old dude. Sure, back in his day, he was awesome, but now eh, it'd just be embarrassing. Well, that dude is now tasked with, you know what, you should probably teach how you do what you do to everybody else here because the young bucks need to know how you did what you do. Well, they were they were good at being awesome. That doesn't mean they were great at being a teacher. Mm-hmm. So then you've got different strategies for imparting the ability to align your body with physics. So then you get reasoning from analogy. Oh, move like a tiger. You've got, uh, be strong like a bear, be ferocious, right? and when you reason by analogy you're introducing a lot of space for error in transcription errors okay so it's it's just kind of learning how physics works and then building up to cause and effect and then the human pattern that then being a foundation to understand mental emotional game and then the most abstract is energy so that's why energy gurus or people claiming to shoot chi bullets and they can't even manage the physical layer like yeah i think that's why it's kind of built in in that that way okay it sounds very interesting
0: i have to check that one out well, let's kind of shift gears a little bit now you, you know of course you said your full-time job you're you're a performer you're you're a speaker type thing what types of things you have learned from martial arts and how, how do you bring martial arts into that part of your life you think
1: all of it like there, there's, <laughs> uh, there's not one thing that I do that isn't Kung Fu. Nice. To me, it's, it's just, it's a way of being. Okay. So it's not just a, a it's not a, a jacket you put on and then you kind of go, well, that was comfy. Now it's time to put off the, the Kung Fu jacket. No, it's just like, it is what you are. It's who you become. It's everything you do. So a big part of what I do in the corporate world is as a speaker and a consultant for marketing strategy is basically it. All right, you got a business. You've got people who could use what it is that you do. How do you get more business? What do you do? You've got limited resources. The benefits of to your business, how well your business performs, is dictated by the strategy you employ. Hey, that sure sounds like martial arts, (laughs) right? Then there's personal coaching of, oh, Sally was being mean to me, like, okay. All all of my consulting, whatever problem somebody puts in front of me gets translated to somebody's trying to punch me in the face in this way, what would I do about it? And then just retranslating that strategy into their corporate speak and it's genius. <laughs> They're just going, my goodness, this is such valuable insight. Where do you come up with these things?
0: So do you, how much did you see then your, you know, as far as your career, how much did that change then after you got back involved with Wing Chun after not doing it for so long?
1: Uh, night and day. Okay, nice. Night and day, because like I said, my, the choices I was making led to my car getting repossessed. Right. And now I've, I've traveled the world Worked with BP, State Farm, United Airlines. Uh, I've I've got phenomenal client lists, and and get to work on the coolest projects and problems. Just I'm I'm over the moon ecstatic with my life, and it's all because of my ongoing daily practice of embodying what Wing Chun is. That's great.
0: And obviously that's you know one of the martial arts where there's some martial arts that are a lot more a lot more physical where you can only do them until maybe a certain age, but obviously with Wing Chun, you that's that's a lifelong thing. You you're, you're going to keep doing that till you're in your 90s probably.
1: It's strategic laziness, man. Yeah, Like <laughs> why if if I got to work at 95%, why in the world did I take on that project? Like I want to work at 5% and get 100% feed, like benefit from it. So, I I just I want to work as little as possible to get as much benefit as possible. That's the principle of leverage. Nice. Strategic laziness. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like, I'm not working to, to work harder, man. Like I'm, I want to work really, really hard to not have to do a thing. Like that's really cool is to practice super hard so that you don't even have to lift a finger. That's phenomenal. Like, yep. Let's do it that way.
0: Nice. So kind of some some fun questions type things but what what is some advice you'd give someone who approached you and said they're they're thinking of getting involved in martial arts what are some tips you'd give them and mm. you know maybe what to look for or what to consider
1: I have a I have a three phase approach to that okay and it's exactly the same thing from my per, back in my performing days cuz I I do a 70 minute mind reading show it's it's volunteers from the audience nothing is preset it's all real time It's hilarious and totally mind blowing. That's still a big part of what I do. Then people come up to me afterwards and they go, how in the world did you do that? So it's exactly the same situation. Somebody comes to me and goes, oh, I've been interested in, in martial arts. I I think I want to learn martial arts. Okay. Exact same situation. So then I go, oh, that's great. What have you tried? And then they go, oh yeah, I don't know. It's just kind of been a a thing. Like, oh yeah, dude, it'd be great. You'll, you'll find something perfect. And that's it. <laughs> right? Nice. And then or if they go, "Oh, I you know, I I just haven't known where to start, but I I think I want to try this kind of thing." Then I would say, "Oh, well then you probably want to check out this book or that book and and those will be your best places to start because on YouTube it could be anything, really difficult to know what a quality filter is, but books have withstood the test of time. So start there. And then they go, oh, that's great. If they follow up with me, that's even better. Mm -hmm. But the third kind of level is, okay, what have you tried? Oh, I've, I've kind of read these books. And also I, I went out and did this, but I didn't like that about it. Now I know, oh, okay. They're actually going to do this without my involvement. So my insight won't be wasted. Okay. So then if they've demonstrated initiative on their own, then good luck shutting me up. I'm going to I'm going to talk their <laughs> ear off. Right. Like the, yep. there's we're, we're going to go out for coffee, then dinner, and then we're going to hang out on Sundays. Right. So it's that kind of level of initiative that they demonstrate. Is it just a casual This is the only way I know how to relate to Jonathan because he says he's into Kung Fu. So I have to say I'm interested in Kung Fu so that we have shared space. Okay, you know, that's cool. I just know that you're probably lying to yourself. Right. And you can lie to yourself all day long, but you're not going to lie to me. So that's my polite way of not saying you have no interest. If you actually were interested, you would have already done it by now. So like you're you're wasting your time trying to tell me you're interested in a thing you've not spent 5 minutes looking into but i appreciate your best strategy for finding common ground with me
0: nice i like that so what are your thoughts on the whole mma craze and the ufc type
1: thing i i like it as a crucible for big talk getting hammered out
0: <laughs> okay
1: it's, it's a phenomenal dynamic for for the people who are making a living talking a big game about I'm the best, I'm the best, I'm a phenomenal fighter and like, okay, well, go for it. Like me personally, I will never claim to do that. Like I, <laughs> I my goal is to, I, I don't have the goal of becoming an Olympic level athlete to go beat on people that have spent their whole life learning how to hurt me. Like, to me, that is not the pinnacle of my martial arts achievement. Right. I have massive, massive respect for anybody who trains enough, who has enough gumption to go stand in the ring where most people never dare to go. Yeah, my hat's off to anybody who is brave or stupid enough to go in (laughs) with the training or without it. Like, that's a huge achievement either way and uh, a couple couple of my friends are professional MMA fighters, and they're just awesome, awesome dudes. So I definitely appreciate the value that it's bringing to the martial arts world. Part of the, the counterpoint to that is that that dynamic isn't the only way to engage with martial arts or to improve yourself. It's not the only way to measure success as a human being as a martial artist and the, the overwhelming pressure to only judge your personal development in terms of, well, how many times did you go in the ring is a twisted measurement to me.
0: Okay, so then in your over decade or so of, of martial arts training and, and Wing Chun training, is there a, one or two particular philosophies that you've learned from it that you really kind of respect and hold true to yourself?
1: No punch, no grab. Okay. That's it. The The adage of invite what comes, escort what goes, rush forward upon loss of contact is kind of my mantra. Don't fight it. It's uh, like from the from the improv world, improv comedy, mm-hmm. there's the idea of yes and. You never go, hey, no, that's not a good joke. Try this instead. You're like, well, that just busted the whole scene. That wasn't funny at all. Mm-hmm. Also, side note, I, improv drives me nuts. So please don't think I'm a, I'm a an active fan of this. It's a thing that's a phenomenal tool. Anyway, back to the point, which is whatever happens in the scene, you act like, yeah, and also this happened. So you don't fight it to try to make it go a particular way. You're going with the scene and you yes and, or you amplify and agree the same same kind of idea. So don't don't try to fight the situation. Don't ignore it. Don't Don't try to say it's not what it is. So first you have to be able to see exactly what the situation is and then help the other person destroy themselves. That's really all you're doing. They wanna go that way? Here, let me help you go that way. Oh, you wanna go this way? Well, I'm gonna help you go this way. And by virtue of that person trying to hurt you, they're already hurting themselves. You're just not stopping them from doing what it is they, they want, which is to destroy themselves. Okay. So do you have a
0: favorite martial artist or a martial artist that you look up to?
1: Ooh. Oh man. <laughs> For the longest time, I, I just loved Anderson Silva. Oh, nice. He he's just phenomenal. Like I I at that time I wasn't an MMA fan. I was a fan of Anderson Silva and then would make sure that I would go to a Buffalo Wild Wings to go, to go watch him anytime he was fighting. I just, he was so goofy and it was so smart until it wasn't. (laughs) (laughs) Right. But I just, I loved that he was him, right? He, he wasn't trying to, to be the all around best. He wasn't trying to do a lot of groundwork to try to beat ground people at ground game. You're just like, here's what I'm great at. And I'm going to work to be even better at that to make everybody else scared of me. Like that was awesome. That's a really cool approach. So I just, he was just so much fun to watch move his movement was just phenomenal. So yeah, the, those were, those were kind of my favorite, my favorite fight days. And the, the other person would be John Fitch. Oh, who recently okay. retired. Yep. His his dedication to excellence is unparalleled. So, full disclosure, we've talked. We we know each other's name. So, it's uh if there were an affiliate thing, <laughs> be like, I'm <laughs> full disclosure. I've actually uh been on his podcast. He's oh, been on my podcast. Very like, cool. yeah, he's he's just a super cool dude and and I'm impressed by by him. So, yeah.
0: So then, other than your own, do you have a favorite martial arts book?
1: The one, the one that I seem to keep going back to is Book of the Five Rings. Oh, great book! And I just, I, I have a, I have a problem. Every time there's a new translation, a new edition, I'm just like, mm, let me check this one out. <laughs> <laughs> so I just, I keep. I keep buying copies and then giving them away. And, and it's just, it's kind of like a magic hat you try to throw away and it shows up again. Uh, it just, yeah, that, that book continually makes its way back into my life.
0: I'd say about every third guest I've had has probably mentioned that book at least once. That's, it's a, it's, it's definitely up there as one of the, that, that one, I think, in Zen and the Martial Arts by Joe Hyams are probably the two most uh, commented books that I, when I ask people that question. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. Yeah. Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance totally transformed my life and set that mold for Zen and the art of archery. And so in that way, that might be a a great martial arts book because it's the progenitor of all the martial arts knockoff versions. So yeah, I like that one too.
0: (laughs) we have to check that one out. So, and kind of the uh, last fun kind of two part question to, to wrap it up. Do you have a favorite martial arts TV show and or favorite martial arts movie?
1: Oh man
0: maybe a guilty pleasure or something or
1: yeah. Oh, oh man. The, the movie is it, man. Oh, great movie. Like Love it. it's ridiculous. It is hokey is all get out. Like I'm not saying it's the finest bit of filmmaking ever, nor am I saying it's the most realistic fighting ever it's fun though (laughs) but man is it fun yeah like i i just put it off i put it on in the background and then just do work while it's it's on the tv so it's it's my very very common just to have on in the background movie nice okay tv show for tv show i i know i'm gonna have a great answer after i hop off of here (laughs) and it'll be the spirit of of the elevator wit or staircase wit, um but yeah i'm just totally blanking on on a tv series Uh, are you a
0: cobra kai guy he's gotten to that yet
1: oh yeah (laughs) i i love that series and a thing i i really appreciate about it is my fiance doesn't share the kung fu bug okay so for her to love cobra kai that much was was deeply appreciated by me. Like I, I loved that I could share that, and she was like, "This is a great show. <laughs> this is this is great." I'm like, see, it's awesome. <laughs> nice. So that I, that was fantastic. I have
0: not got my wife to watch it yet. I'm I'm still trying to get her to watch it. That's my goal. My 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 daughter loves it. My my 14 year old daughter. It's it's probably her favorite. That and the Mandalorian are two favorite shows oh, right now. That's great. Yep. Cool. And you, I thought of one other thing. You mentioned a podcast. Is that are you currently doing one or?
1: I am. Yeah. I I don't want to, I don't (laughs) leverage your podcast. Hey, give give it a
0: plug. I'll put a link in the show notes too. So.
1: Well, thank you. It's, it's mind reader university. And the reason it came to be is doing the mind reading shows. And one of the most common questions I get was, did you go to college to learn how to do this? (laughs) And for the longest time, I thought that was a really dumb question. But then I realized, no, that is a very logical, smart question. Like there's school of music. There's there. You can go to college for anything. So there's not a college for mind reading. So I just figured, you know what? I should probably start sharing all the mindset and motivation and memory tricks and, and just all the applied psychology stuff that I've been using on stage and off stage that, that I've learned. Okay, let me do that. And then it grew because then people always say, oh, I'd love to pick your brain. And I was like, a mind reader actually picks brains. Like that's the person who actually picks brains. So the, the setup is mind reader university picking the brains of the world's biggest thinkers. So then I just have conversations with people and ask them really dumb questions so that they'll give us really smart answers. And it's just, conversations with people doing cool stuff crypto MMA death all, all sorts of topics in in areas of interest this not, I'm gonna
0: subscribe this looks really I'm just looking at it and I just noticed you Scott Adams man the creator of Dilbert man. I'm uh, Thank you. I'll definitely be listening that sounds like, I, I love podcasts. I mean I got hooked on them.
1: that that was a, a kind of a, a personal trophy Scott Adams was my first guest before the podcast was real wow. So people talk about influence and persuasion. Mm -hmm. If you can't persuade somebody who's so well known for persuasion to be a part of a project that doesn't exist yet, what level of persuasion is that? Yeah, yeah, pretty darn good. (laughs) It's kind of
0: like mine. I have uh, after this coming Friday, I'll have almost twenty-five episodes recorded before I even launch the show. (laughs) So that's awesome. I've, I've, I've convinced a lot of martial artists. Uh, and one of my other podcasts I do, I do another one, completely different subject, but I had almost 40 done before I launched. So yeah, it's awesome. I'm good at convincing people of stuff too. So <laughs> yep,
1: it's it's a superpower. That's great. That's
0: great. Cool. Well, I just want to thank you, Jonathan, for taking the time to to chat with us, and and uh, I will definitely put all these links uh, that I see in here, but your your podcast and your your books and everything else you're doing, in our show notes, and and I, I truly appreciate uh, hearing your story. It's very I love it. It's interesting. It's not it's not a typical martial arts story. So I really enjoyed hearing from it. <laughs>
1: Well, it's always an honor and a privilege to be able to share my thoughts. So I genuinely, genuinely thank you for the opportunity to to ask me questions, to share my story. Nice. Well, I've enjoyed it a lot.